Vin, welcome to the Uncovering Elite Performers podcast. Thank you, John Joe. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. So for those not familiar with our story, it goes back about 12 months now, at which point you were a teacher, of course, really high performing teacher, and you made the move into technology sales with Salesforce. I thought this would be a great opportunity to catch up on the journey and find out how it's been going so far. Yeah, absolutely. It's been uh, it's been quite a whirlwind. <laughs> so, talk us through year one and how that's been in terms of performance for you. Then uh, it's been a very successful year. You know, I mean, one of the things I sort of thought about moving into a tech sales, you know, were some of the parallels from our previous role, and and you know, touch wood, uh, things have gone really well. Uh, you know, I've consistently overachieved from a pipe chain perspective and, you know, and have had some really, really good deals come to close, um, you know, in the enterprise space uh, where the deal cycles can be long. I think that's that's a really positive start to, to my career in tech sales. And why did you decide to get into tech sales in the first place? I've got to give a little bit of credit to my wife, you know, uh, she's going to uh, haunt me for this, but it's okay. Um, I think, I think, you know, I mean, COVID when, you know, COVID affected everyone in different ways, I suppose. And, you know, for me, uh, when I had the opportunity to work from home, right, and uh, that's when I got to see what she does. She's someone who's always been in tech sectors, you know, from sales to customer success. She's done the whole whole 360, you can say. Um, and, you know, just looking at that, that sort of was my inspiration. Um, and, and you know, and in my career as a teacher, you know, I was, I was leading math teams across different schools. And and I was at a point where I didn't aspire to go to the next level of leadership. And, you know, I was sort of looking at what else could I do? You know, what other things could I do? Because I started to feel a bit stale after a while, you know, doing the same role. Um, and that's where I thought, okay, why not look at tech sales, you know, because that's something I've got someone in the house who's actually done it before uh, to to work with. And I think, you know, that, that sort of was my inspiration. Um, and then, you know, it started with little bits and pieces here and there, you know, start with your your LinkedIn learning, your Udemy, whatever, you know, there's little courses to just understand what the tech sector is like and and then building connections, you know, and I think, and I think that's where we found each other too, like, you know, isn't it? Like um, it just off LinkedIn, I think, people really underestimate how powerful that is you know to to make those connections and and i think that's sort of what got me into the tech space you know and and yeah so and touch wood it's been so far so good <laughs> what have been your first impressions compared with what you expected going into tech sales with a brand like salesforce I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, um, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome at so many different spaces, right? And uh, uh, to walk into potentially the the leading tech company in the world, you know, the world's number one CRM, you know, and and me as a teacher, you know, we've used it at a very, very, very basic level, not Salesforce, but but you know, your learning management systems. And to me, I think the biggest challenge was, you know, all. Um, when I walked into it, I felt like, okay, how am I going to cope with all of this new learning? So, you know, with I, I love technology, right? Don't get me wrong. That's the reason why I moved in as well. But at the same time, this is just at a different level, and and you know, we're we're servicing different companies, and and I got I got given an enterprise patch too. So, you know, I was I was handling really huge enterprise customers, and you know, with that. Um, the um, the level of engagement needs to be at a very high level. So those are the things that I took back and going, okay, I've I've got here. I've been wanting this for a while. I've got here. Now what do I do? You know. So I think that 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 starting part of it is definitely the most challenging aspect. You know, I think, um, and to get over that and you know find your ways of doing things because 
when it comes to sales, every person's different. And the way they approach it is so different to each other. And I think I think it was all about finding the way that works best for me. Um, and you know, and you know, I think in a lot of ways, I used a lot of my strengths from a previous role, right? You know, the stakeholder management piece, for example, right? And um, being in a classroom with 30 students, right? You're dealing with 30 different individuals with different expectations, you know? Um, so I think using your strengths is really important, especially when someone's looking for a career change. Were you encouraged to search for your why to overcome that initial imposter syndrome? Absolutely. Did course encourage you to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you know, um, I mean, the way I see it is every successful salesperson or, uh, you know, needs to really understand what the person on the other side really wants, right? It's not about uh, selling things. It's about making a difference, right? And and the more you can believe into those things, I think it makes that that much easier to have those conversations. And, you know, as a maths teacher, that's what I've strived for the last 10 years, right? You know, being able to communicate that to my students or understand what I'm trying to teach them, right? And, and and you know, every time, right, we talk about problem solving and, you know, being able to understand how it's actually going to look in reality rather than just hyperficial, okay, we can do this, do that. Or, you know, I think making those connections definitely, definitely, um, you know, went a long way. When did you begin to overcome the imposter syndrome? At what mark can you remember that that started to subside? I think I think as soon as I, you know, um, I think when I when I joined Salesforce, I'll just go back a little bit, right? We I joined in at Q4, right? Q4 uh, in every business is the most busiest time. Everyone's trying to close deals. And I think that that's the biggest priority for um, and when you work as a BDR, you're working with your account executives where that's the biggest priority at that stage, right? So pipe gen sort of comes secondhand at, the, at that at that point of time. Um, it, it was about finding that building the relationship and trust, right? And once you can establish that, um, it makes it that much easier to work, I think, in, in, in from a BDR perspective, because, um, you know, your success is dependent on other people as well, you know, and, and being an integral part of the team. I think that's the first step that every single person who wishes to pursue this sort of says, you know, they need to accomplish that, right? Um, find your ends, you know, I get to know the people you're working with and and make them aware of who you are, what what sort of skill sets you bring along. I think that's really critical for you to build their trust. And I think once you do that, then then there's that confidence, and then then things start to open up, right? You um, you start from your tier three, tier four accounts, and then you work your way towards the higher accounts, right? And that's where um, that's how you can be really successful, you know, in a in a, in a sales space. I think, yeah. So that's that's sort of what what I sort of worked with. Um, so I think and you're talking about building trust with internal stakeholders, the reps, then, right? That's what you're talking about. Absolutely, I think that is very very critical to be successful. Uh, in in a BDR role, and that's about showing that you can be a high performer, right? You can really um, match the performance of the the team, and you can really fit in. What what is it about your background? What about your foundations that I might need to know that have led you to become a high performer in education and now in relative time, a relative short time period of time in tech sales as well? I think a lot has to go. With my upbringing, right? Um, well, my dad used to work for a bank. You know, he he worked in the same company for over fifty years and retired at the same company, right? But then um, the, the work ethic, I suppose, I think that that's really critical there. Um, and and you know, and I've always been a risk taker. Right? When I first moved to Australia in two thousand nine. 
didn't have any connections here. I didn't have any family members here. So um, it's it's that leap of faith that you take every time you take a risk. Um, and, and you know, you've got to trust in yourself. I think those, those are little things that I've sort of carried right through, right? I came here to do pharmaceutical research. Then it then I've moved into teaching, right? Um, and and having a huge science background, I spent most of my teaching career teaching mathematics, right? Um, and and then suddenly one day decide, okay, let's try something else, right? And 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 then yeah, I think it's the leap of faith. I think I've, I've been always open to taking those risks and and you know challenge myself. I think that's definitely I can um, I can say definitely has helped me help me this change as well. One thing I've found personally with imposter syndrome, so I've also suffered from it, is going and doing the thing and then building confidence. Um, and it sounds like you've taken those risks to really try to prove it to yourself that you can, and then you've found confidence and think, you know, I could actually go to do something else. The the fact that you went from a really successful career um, as a senior educator, and you spent so much time in that career building a lot of skills and obviously had a lot of... Um, passion for the work you're doing the fact that you're able to transition relatively not late but relatively relatively late into another um career must have taken a certain amount of guts i suspect was it an anxious period of time when you decided to make a career switch absolutely you know because you know i was i was at the um you know i was the i was at the most senior level in terms of um of educators and and in terms of in terms of salary as well. obviously you've got a big family you know you've got lots of other commitments the finance side of it definitely is a huge huge risk there because you no longer have a huge base you you have a base and then you've got to work towards the other numbers right um it's definitely definitely a challenging space and i speak to teachers all the time right and and there are, there are a number of them who are constantly searching for what else could they do right um but i think um you've got to take a step back to move forward right that's the way i see it um and i think that's that's sort of what i did right you know well um there was there was a huge change in terms of a base salary right and i saw possibilities right where could i where could i see myself in that three four years if i were to be successful and and like you said right um, I was at a stage in my career where if I don't try something new now, I'll never do it. You know, uh, probably five years down the track, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't do it, right? Because uh, I'll be forty at that time. So um, I think it was, it was just finding that right moment and then having that courage to go forward and, and try it. So in a nutshell, take a step back to move forward. I think that's that's what I'll say. And hard work has been a real key principle that's driven all of those decisions, right? You've found what it takes to become. A senior high performer in the education sector you're finding what that means to be a high performer in tech sales what does that look like to be an elite performer in sales development based on what you've seen so far I think it's it's got to come down to you know developing your point of view consistently, um, you know, coming up with different ideas and and you know try to find different ways to prospect into, especially you know from a BDR perspective. I think that's that's really critical, um, and I think um, I've been really lucky with the amount of tech stacks that we have available, you know, and as Salesforce, I'm, I'm you know I think that that's a huge part of working at Salesforce having those access to those. Um, you know, from your sales navigators to your Zoom in for all those prospecting tools to actually help you find the right contacts of the different company. I think that that goes a long way. But I think at the end of the day, 
uh, it's really important to build your perspective and, you know, build a point of view on how you're going to approach this particular customer. What are you actually going to them for, right? While you're saying, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? Why, right? And that's that's a really important part of it. Um, and, and being able to develop that consistently, I think that's, that's really critical. Coming with a good amount of experience in work and a career prior to getting into an SDR role, do you feel that that experience, that worldview has given you more leverage when you're going out and talking to customers versus if it was your first role out of university? Absolutely. I think I think that uh, you know it can never be understated. I think the professional experience makes makes a huge difference. You know, um, when when you've you know in different careers, different conversations, but at the end of the day, you know, every person in their life is constantly negotiating with one another, right? And um, and I think you've got to really adapt and build on those strengths that you already have. So definitely a huge professional career. I've seen um, the number of people at Salesforce in particular from a BDR perspective who actually have had successful careers and have moved on to take on the BDR role. And I think um, having people from different areas of, of life, you know, uh, areas of business, I think that makes a huge difference to this role in particular because you're constantly trying to innovate the way you you reach out to the clients. And I think, I think that's where... Uh, I've seen my one year at Salesforce. That's where they've really excelled, you know, bringing people from different aspects of life and um, giving them that entry into the tech space. I think um, that's that's definitely valuable. And what does that mean to be unique in the way that you prospect? You obviously have certain products that you're bringing to customers and certain ways that you go to market, you know, um, your talk talking narratives and your prospecting sequences and the likes, they're fairly structured, right? But what does it mean to be unique in the way that VIN prospects and why has that been successful so far? I've always, you know, built on nurturing that ongoing relationships. I think that's 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 been a huge part of my success in this role so far for the year, right? You know, um, you know, while you while you're prospecting to someone and, and you've established that initial relationship, I think it's about how you nurture and and build on that relationship. And it's not always about taking a new product to the customer, right? It could be, you know, you know, getting them into a room for a new event, right? You know, um, having that casual conversation, getting to know them, you know, outside of their work. I think that's that's a really important part of it. Where, you know, if someone's calling from Salesforce, not always about, hey, what is he going to sell me today? You know, uh, I think it's it's always nice to break down that, you know, and and have a really nice um, casual conversations every now and then. I think, which is which is not only building the trust, but it also gets your customers to know who you are as a person. Uh, and I think once you break that barrier, you know, then to have those meaningful conversations becomes that much more easier. That's that's what I've sort of seen, and I think that's that's worked for me so far. But like I said, every person has their own style, so build on your strengths. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and we we mentioned this before. So Salesforce, of course, the the largest CRM business in the world, obviously very revered brand. When you call a prospect, more often than not, they know who Salesforce is, right? Which can bring with it challenges and wins. I'm sure. How does that look when you're, or how does it feel when you're? calling customers who know who Salesforce is and why can that be a challenge and why is it a good thing sometimes? Because some people would think, oh, it could be a bit easy because people know who Salesforce is, right? But at the same time, as you mentioned, they've probably been prospected many times before by somebody from Salesforce. So what are the key challenges and um, wins that 
can occur from calling from Salesforce? I think I think you've partly answered that question for me, right? Uh, because um, Salesforce has a plethora of products, right? And every person before me or after me could potentially prospect into the same same customer, right? And yes, you know, uh, working for a known brand like Salesforce makes a huge difference when you speak to someone saying, "Hey, this is a win from Salesforce," you know. More often than not, they're at least giving you that 30 seconds to start with, right? Um, but I think what's really key there is, you know, we, we talk about we talk a lot about app rigor, you know, which is, you know, updating the notes, updating the things on, on the org. So no matter who is taking on, things are clearly visible. So I think um, building on that, you know, understanding, okay, what are the conversations someone before me actually has had with this particular customer? So you're actually not starting from scratch. Um, doing a little bit of homework definitely, definitely helps. Um, also, you know, you know, LinkedIn is a fantastic space. Get to see what what people post. You know, what are they interested in? Again, you know, going that extra mile to know a little bit more about that particular prospect can really help help overcome those challenges. Right where you go, hey, this is why you've why I've called. I know you've had a conversation, so you don't have to explain to me the whole thing over again. Um, but let's let's see where we go from here. Fantastic. When you um, did your opener there and you said, hey, it's been from Salesforce, I could tell that you lit up when you said that and I could sense a real sense of pride that you uh, associate and call him from such a great brand. And I, I think it'd be fair to say Salesforce does have a perception for with, sorry, high performance, elite performance. What does it mean to you to be elite I think uh, you know. I'll always say if if I can see uh, as a maths teacher, right? If I can see my kids being successful at the choices they make, and for some kids that could be potentially you know getting a forty percent or a fifty percent. Doesn't necessarily have to be that ninety or a hundred, right? As long as I can see that change that's happening, um, and and the success that they're experiencing, I think that was the biggest thing for me as a maths teacher. I think another thing that has changed um, in tech sales, right? When when someone is purchasing that product but then you know six months down the track you know you're having that conversation with them and they're going okay we did this and this is how amazing this has worked for us right or we we ended up saving so much time for our for our you know from a service team or you know our sales team etc i think being able to see those tangible differences i think that that's what makes me really proud i think um, and and being able to understand. I mean, while I've only been a year into the role, so I've only had a handful of experiences. But but I think um, I think that's what people really pride about working there. You know, to be you know in a position to be able to make a difference to the businesses and and eventually the end customers. I think that that's what the pride comes from. So it sounds like progress is is paramount there. So is it is it something around consistent progress, whatever progress looks like for you? Um, doing that consistently and really trying to push that progress um each day each week that's what elite looks like is that fair absolutely and with that in mind then what other career aspirations for yourself you're doing a great job where you are committed to a bdr role senior bdr with salesforce what does what does the rest of your career look like or what do you have in mind 
See, um, what I would love to see, you know, I've, I've set myself a target, you know, in the next next five years, I suppose, is I want to be in a position where um, I'm working, I'm, I'm a leader in that education space, right, where um, I'm a leader in making those differences, you know, whether it could be potential as an AE, um, in, you know, working with with the top universities, the Department of Education. Um, I think that's, that's what I want to see myself as in the next five years, because I feel like I bring in those authentic conversations I can bring along while I'm loving working in the automotive and manufacturing space at the moment. But I think I think that's where my heart lies. I want to really um, use the strengths of my previous career, you know, which which I really cherished and enjoyed. And I think I want to be able to make that difference. And I think so for me, the target is, is going to be in the tech space. Um, or, or the public service space, you know, where um, we're definitely, you know, the more difference we can make, I think uh, the better it will be for the people. Absolutely. And in that theme of career aspirations, if we can think about the VIN of 12 months ago, looking to break into tech sales and you now with this experience with Salesforce, could you talk us through firstly, what advice you'd give that VIN in terms of what to expect? what is this BDR role and um, what should they expect going into it? <clears throat> and then secondly, what tools or tips or processes have you found have been really effective to propel you to the really high performance level of the role so far? So I think the, the biggest advice I'll give is um, to the event of 12 months ago is to be a bit more patient because, you know, you start and you hear all these new words, new terminologies, you know, I'm doing this play, that play, um, and you're going, okay, when am I going to get to a stage where I can actually understand what is going on here, right? Um, I think that patience is really, really critical. Um, you know, I've been really lucky because we had a really good onboarding experience. Um, we've got a really one-team mentality at Salesforce, which means, you know, uh, people have been very kind with their time. Um, you know, no matter who who's in trouble, we need some ideas and all we can just do is just slack the person go, hey, can I have 30 minutes of your time? And, and I can tell you 99 out of 100 times, they'll be like, yep, no worries. The other one person will be going, this week is not good. Let's do next week, right? Um, and I think that makes a huge difference. I think to be able to trust the process and, and be a little bit more patient is probably the only advice I would give to the win of 12 months ago, I reckon. Nice. <clears throat> Great. And any particular tips, tools that you're really finding is elevating your performance at the moment? I think, uh, you know. Um, or any prospecting strategies is, you know, is phone working, uh, emails um, better? You know, is it is it um, a sequence, a combination of both? What are you finding? I think this is, a, this is a very common debate we have internally as well, you know, because uh, traditionally BDRs and SDRs have been just the person who's on the phone, right? Keep ringing, keep ringing until you get to the person on the other side, right? I think it's 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 changing. You know, we we are um we're in a tech savvy world. I think there's different ways to reach out to your to your customers. I think um and that's what I find really successful. Like I I tend to find a good balance between between the emails and social prospecting is is that much more vital because um you can be really authentic there right and and uh, they get to know your full history not just win from salesforce right um they get to know who they're speaking to as well i think that's that's really critical and i think i've, I've really dwelt on that strength you know being able to sales navigator has been another great tool for me that i've used right which is which has helped me unpack those leads and accounts so what's going on okay someone's actually posted a transformation 
project that's coming up, right? Things like that, right? And and doing that consistently, you know, for me, I'll always start my week by going, okay, who are the new people to roll in my territory, right? What are they doing? Where have they come from? Have they come from an existing Salesforce company? You know, I think things like that has definitely helped um, in that success for me, you know, for me to go to my A going, hey, guess what? I know we're having this problem with this company, but they've got a new digital transformation leader. Let's tee up some time with him to see if he's got what ideas he's got in mind or she's got in mind, you know. Um, I think things like that, going again with that perspective and your point of view, I think it's going to be is what has helped me be successful. I think that's the tip I'll give to people. That's great, Vin. And um, yeah, that authenticity um, sounds to be shining through. I'm, I'm sure you'll be thinking as time goes on, you'll be you know producing your producing your own content, which is relative to your own story in education, which will you know be a real win ticker in that education sector. So um, I wish you the best of luck in that endeavour. Surely you should be a shoe in for that role, mate. So best of luck if it comes up in the future. Um, and lastly, what does your daily routine look like for somebody again been 12 months ago what does a bdr do every day talk me through your daily routine of a high performer i think it, it definitely um like i said you know is a every day is different right i've got to put it be really honest mondays could be potentially just about your meetings you know where you're just getting through your you know forecasting calls you know that that's that was completely new to me what is the forecast what do we do mm. um Part of your AE's forecast call is really important because you get that extra piece of information going, where are they struggling? Um, so Mondays have been primarily about a lot of those internal meetings, right? Getting to know the internal stakeholders. And just on that, sorry, then, so you're in an AE forecast call. Do you have a one-to-one relationship with an AE or are you with a group of AEs? How does that work? So I'm currently aligned to three enterprise AEs here at um, here at Salesforce. So I'll, uh, in addition to that forecast, I'll also have one-on-one time with my AEs. But what we also do is we we work really closely with with because Salesforce is such a big sort of product, right? There's specialists for different clouds at Salesforce. So I also get to meet with the other people and work on a one-on-one basis with those people as well. So it's a big uh, big group of internal stakeholders that you. Mm-hmm. Do- so Mondays, I've always sort of positioned it in those aspects. So I think, um, you know, Tuesdays to Fridays is your best time to then make those calls. Thing Activity is really key, right? You know, being consistent uh, is, is absolutely critical. So for on a daily basis, you know, scheduling those times to make make those call calls right? and scheduling times to, to do your research on the company. Right and and you know identify your prospecting list for the week or identifying the targeted kind of thing, that's that's critical. And I think also uh, you know trying out the different ways you know from your social selling to emails, um, trying a mixture of those. But I think I also want to point out right, it's important to have a cadence in place as well. Right, sometimes we have a saying that uh, on an average it takes about seven touches to get to a customer. So having the cadence in place, which means when you start the next day, you know exactly, okay, this is the person I've emailed yesterday. I need to make a call today. So having those routines in place. So I don't know if I answered your question on a day-to-day basis, but I think it's more, I would probably look at it as a, as a weekly plan more than a daily plan. I think that's that's really critical. Um, we also have recently, you know, found that, you know, Friday is actually not a bad day to make calls. People are much more relaxed, ready for the weekend, open to have that extra five minutes in your time. So I think that that also is a, is a little tip I would add there, um, you know, to make those cold calls on a Friday afternoon. So, And educators are notoriously 
overworked with the out after hours we know within tech salespeople you could also add to that group which one has been more demanding in terms of your personal time so far i definitely think i've got a much more better um, life work balance in the tech space and compared to education and i'm sure some of my friends in the education field can definitely attest to that especially in the in the current climate that we're facing um so yeah definitely definitely tech sales i've, I've definitely found a good work-life balance right even with that having those 11 week of school holidays so um and i still have a smile on my face so there you yeah go. sure <laughs> ben i absolutely love talking to you our story goes um way back really so i'm just so pleased that you've been so successful so far <clears throat> i knew you would um and i think everybody else on linkedin we um shared the post with knew that you would um you've really just gone and willed an opportunity for yourself through your own determination and um tenacity so i'm really pleased that it's going so well for you and um big things ahead so thanks again for sharing your story no thank you thank you john i mean um i know you say it's a, just a little post but sometimes you know little things makes a huge difference you know i don't think um and that's why i say you know be open to that outreach, reach out to people, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say no to you. That's fine. Move on. Um, I think that I can't stress how powerful that is, especially, especially if someone's looking for a change in career or anything in particular, I think it's a really good place to start with, start networking. Absolutely. Nice one. Well, thanks again, Vin, and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you, John Joe. Thanks for the time. Thanks for